Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. John chapter 3 this morning. Now, we're still teaching on faith, but I'm going to take a little bit of a jog because a lot of what we've been teaching on is relevant to to what I would call prosperity, healing, different things like this. But I'm going to teach a little bit on something that I'm very familiar with. And that's faith for a new life. You know, when I came to the, back to the Lord back in the, in the 80s, I needed a new life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever need a new life? And, and you know, I didn't, get it, I didn't get it just because I bowed my knee and, and got right with God and, and you know, and, and my sins were... I didn't get it just because of that. I had to fight for it. And I'm telling you, there are times you've got to fight for your new life. But the good thing is, is God has given you a new life. And you've got a desire to go after it. You've got a desire to want it. And built into that will be a lot of changes. But the good news is everything or every change that God would bring into your life uh, will benefit you and help you. I didn't think that at first. I think God I thought God was trying to take something away from me. He wasn't trying to take anything from me. He was trying to get something to me. Amen. And that's, that's how good God is. Now, let's start in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1. Let's just start at the very basic place where all of this begins. It says in verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, obviously Nicodemus had a heart for God. He, he had a desire for God, but his, his revelation was limited. He had a limited revelation. He didn't see him. You know, over in, in Matthew 16, uh, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Even, uh, I believe, was it last week we taught on a blind Bartimaeus that cried out, uh, Jesus, thou Son of David. Even the blind beggar uh, saw Jesus in his Messianic reference. But he didn't see that. He didn't see uh, Jesus in a Messianic reference. He saw him as a rabbi and a great teacher and someone that had come from God uh, because he was doing miracles. Amen. Now, now, all down through the history of Israel, there were people that did miracles. Signs, wonders, miracles took place. Moses' ministry, Joshua's ministry. Of course, when David and Solomon were on the earth, Elijah and Elisha. I think Lee and I are studying Elisha right now in, uh, in, our, in our evening uh, Bible study. But listen, uh, they were not unfamiliar with miracles nor, or signs or wonders. They understood that they came from God. Now, Jesus responds to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, now notice what he says, Except a man be born again. Everybody say born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, if you go study that in different translations, it'll say this. Unless a man be born again, or born from above, or born anew, he cannot see understand or comprehend the kingdom of God. Now let me say that again. Unless an individual or a person gets born again. Now let me just say this. That, that terminology has literally just been uh, uh, slapped around in our generations here on this earth. I mean, people make fun of it. People talk about, oh, you're not one of those born again Christians, are you? Like, you know, like somebody made that term up. Amen. No, it wasn't made up by man. Jesus is the one that brought the phrase born again into our culture. 
You say, what do you mean culture? Into our Christian culture. It ties directly to understanding, comprehending the kingdom of God. Listen, that's why I don't listen to people who aren't born again. I'm talking about when it comes to spiritual things. You say, why not? They don't understand. They don't comprehend. They don't know anything about the kingdom of God. You say, why not? They're not born again. Now, as we've studied here at Island Church, many of you that have been here, and we're going to pick some of these redemptive truths up in the fall. As we've studied, we understand that to be born again is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, according to, John, uh, excuse me, according to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. In so doing, a spiritual miracle takes place. Something happens in your human spirit. It is recreated. One of the best ways to understand that is this. Is in our first birth, we lost our connection to God. In our new birth, we get that connection back. Amen. God moves back into our spirit man. The Bible says over in 1 John that we are sealed with the spirit of promise and the evil one touches us not. You have to understand, church, you really don't have any spiritual problems other than growth and development. Now, wouldn't that be great for everything else in life? But it's not that way for everything else in life. Everything else in life takes all types of effort <laughs> just to get through it. Amen? But you've got to understand when you were born from above, when you were born anew, when you were born again, you left the human family and you entered into God's family. Now let me just say this because I know there's, there's new people that come all the time and we're, we're always teaching these things and we don't presuppose that everybody knows everything that we know. The two great, what I call, uh, 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 erroneous doctrines of the Christian church are this. The fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Everybody say that with me. The fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Now, most Christian denominations or Christian ideas ascribe to that type of mentality. That God is the father of all of us. Now, you have to understand... He is the creator of all of us, but He is not the father of all of us. Now let me say that again. He is the creator of all of us. He's not the father of all of us. And as far as the human family goes, physically we are all of one blood. That's what it says in Acts chapter 16. It doesn't matter. Hispanic, Asian, white, black. It does not matter. If you're sick and you need blood, then you don't need monkey blood or rhinoceros blood. You have to have human blood. And they don't look at your color and they don't look at your location or they don't look at your education. They're just looking for some of that red blood to help you with. Amen? So we must understand the fatherhood of God. That's erroneous. You say, why? God is only the father of those who have been born again. Now let me say that again. God is only the father of those who have been born again. And then the brotherhood of man. We're not all brothers and sisters. Only those that are born again are your brothers and sisters. You say, well, who is everybody else? Well, they may be kin to you by birth, or they may be kin to you some other way, or you may like them or enjoy their company, but in reality, they're going to have to get born again to become your brother or sister because they still reside in the human family. Amen? So now notice it again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man or a woman be born again, he cannot see, understand, or comprehend the kingdom of God. Now everybody say the kingdom. Now the kingdom is the way that God operates. Now let me say that again. That's a very frustrating point many times with people. Because God, God doesn't think like we think. God doesn't act like we act. 
And God doesn't do things the way we do things. God does things. The Bible says this about God. He does things according to the counsel of His own will. You say, where does God get His advice? From Himself. How can He do that? Because He's God and He can do that. Amen. But we must understand that there is a new protocol of life on the earth. Now let me say that again. There is a new protocol of life upon the earth called the kingdom of God. Men and women who are born again, who God is their heavenly Father, enter in to a new way of living. Remember that old song we used to sing? What was it? Where's Ella at? Uh, 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 abiding in the vine. I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. Uh, I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm abiding, abiding on the vine. Anybody remember that old charismatic song? Now listen, that's true. A new way of living. A new way of thinking. A new way of speaking. A new way of, uh, a new way of addressing the problems of life. Mankind has its way, but God has His way. And once you're born again, God expects you to assimilate into the kingdom of God and begin to live a brand new life His way. Now, I remember life before I was living like that. It was terrible. I mean, I worked hard and, and, and did everything else hard. Amen? I mean, worked hard, party hard, uh, uh, did everything. Did a, and just It was like I was running like an engine wide open. And you know, if you go out there and start your car and just take your accelerator and press it to the floor, that thing may run a while, but there will come a point in which you will violate the integrity of that engine. It'll blow apart. Amen? The same thing's true of life. There's a lot of people that start out life and they just put their foot on the accelerator of life and they just keep it on the floor till their life blows apart. I mean, with their relationships, with their, with their habits, with everything in life. But the kingdom of God does not operate like that. The kingdom of God all actually operates through seed time and harvest. In which you begin to live a life of planting the good seed of the Word of God into your life and reaping a harvest out of that which enhances your life and you can share with other people. Amen. Now notice what Jesus says. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now see, there's people, there's theologians that teach that this is talking about water baptism. It's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about being born first onto the earth. You say, why? Because there are other beings out there that would love to be born again. You say, well, who, who would that be? Well, a third of the angels that fell with Satan. I bet there's a few of them that thought, we should have never followed this guy. <laughs> Amen? Because he's leading us to a bad place for a long time. But so God differentiates between all of the spirit beings in the universe and says there's only a select group of spirit beings. Those are the human spirit beings that are born of water, then those that are born of water, if they want out of the human family, they need to be born of the Spirit. Everybody says born of the Spirit. Now here's good news. Everybody like good news? If you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. Let me try that again. If you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. You are born of the Spirit. You are born of an incorruptible, uncorruptible, everlasting, eternal, 
seed of the Word of God that can never be destroyed. You'll never die. You'll live in eternity forever with Jesus Christ, the angels, and God Himself. You have a destiny that God has already set up for you, and God wants to bless your life. But you're going to have to learn how to live it. Now listen to this. It says, Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. Now, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot us tell where, where it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everybody say, born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus refers be, uh, uh, being born again to the way the wind blows. Now, uh, today, with all this technology we have, we can trace the origin of wind, where it's coming. It's coming off the low pressure. It's coming off the high pressure. It's coming down out of cabin, cabin, coming off this cold front. It's coming off this tropical system. It's coming off this. It's coming off that. But still, with as much as we can say about where the wind is blowing or is not blowing, you still can't see it. Now, in here, just because you do not feel the wind blowing, does not mean that the wind is not here. It's just moving. If I was to take a big fan up here, it's just, just not moving. If I was to take a big fan up here and turn it on, you know what would happen? The wind would start moving. And you'd feel the, uh, the breeze off of the fan. So Jesus is literally telling us in this scripture, what's going to begin to affect your life, because you are born of the Spirit, it's not seen... It's unseen. Now let me say this. The day you got born again, whether it was last week, because we had several in the altar last week, getting right with God or getting born again for the first time. The day you got born again, whether it was last week or 50 years ago or 70 years ago, your mind did not change. Your flesh did not change. Uh, really, if you went back to your house, you notice your house didn't change, your car didn't change. You got up and went to work the next day, your job didn't change. Nothing really changed, but in the inside, the real you, the spirit of who you really are, was made brand new. And from that position of your spirit being made brand new, everything can change. You say, what do you mean? Your mind can change, your health can change, your finances can change, your house, your car, your job, your business, your relationships, it can all change. Everybody say change. But you've got to be willing to enter into it and you've got to be willing to cooperate with it. Now there's a lot of people today who have been saved. But they do not live like they've been saved. There's a lot of people that walk up and say the sinner's prayer but they just, they, they just kind of give lip service to God and they really never enter into the experience of that which God wants them to have. Now let me just say this. If you're born again, then you experienced God. You tasted of the Spirit of God. It's the most supernatural thing that will ever happen to you. If you were to get $10 billion tomorrow, if you were to grow out a brand new leg or arm, it's still not as supernatural and as powerful as your new birth. You have received the greatest miracle. Let me say that again. You have received the greatest miracle. And with receiving the greatest miracle, the greatest deposit of power, ability, strength, knowledge, and anything else you can attribute to God has been deposited in you. It's in you. The Bible says like this, Christ in you, the hope or the expectancy of glory. It's in you. Everybody say, it's in me. That's why we can say, greater is he that is what? In you, in me, than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
There's strength in there. There's knowledge in there. There's wisdom in there. There's healing power in there. There's prosperity in there. There's all that God has for you. It's not up in heaven waiting to be released. It's actually in you now. It's in you now. And your life of faith brings what is on the inside to the outside. Now, I have a, my Bible school Bible is in my office in here. It's a Thompson chain reference Bible. And at the, uh, uh, at the end of the school year uh, uh, in 1985, uh, in June of that year, Brother John Osteen asked me to go pick up a special speaker and bring him to the church for a Wednesday night meeting. So I brought him to the church. He said, now, now Rusty, you go get him and bring him to the church. His name was Ward Chandler. And so I went and picked up Brother Chandler, and we talked, and, and he knows Dad and, and knows some other people, and knows the, uh, the, the wards we always talk about, Brother and Sister Ward. He knew them, so we were talking and, and sharing things and all this kind of stuff. And so I brought him uh, to Brother Osteen, and back then, uh, Lakewood had a cafeteria. So Brother Osteen said, Rusty, bring Brother Chandler and come to the cafeteria, and we're going to eat a late lunch, and then you can take him to his hotel room. So we're sitting there eating, and I'm, I have my Bible with me. Uh, I just always had a Bible with me. Everywhere I went, I got a Bible with me. Had my Bible with me, and I'm sitting there, and they're talking, and, and they're, uh, they're talking about old times. And then Brother Osteen just kind of turned to me, and he looked, and he said this. He said, Rusty, he said, I'm so proud of the way you graduated Bible school. He said, you know, for nine months, you've sat under the teaching of the Word of God. You've sat under my teaching. You've sat under other people's teaching." He said, I want you to know there has been a deposit put on the inside of you that if you can just discover it and begin to walk in the light of it, you can literally turn the world in an opposite direction. I mean, that's how much he believed in it, and that's how much he believed in what he had put into me. I wrote it down in my Bible and dated it. You say, why? Because the same thing is true about every one of you. When you got born again, and as you sit under the teaching of the Word of God, there is a deposit that is put on the inside of you. It's not a seen deposit. It is not a felt deposit. It is not a deposit that you can smell or taste. But it is a deposit that is so powerful, it is the very essence of what created everything and keeps everything in its place. You got power. Everybody say, I got power. Everybody say, I got power. Say, I got power. So you're going to have to have some faith to walk out of the old life and into the new life. Now, let me just say this. Let's talk about the old life because a lot of us can relate to it. In the, in the old life, there were unseen forces that formed you. Now, we're not talking physically. We're talking about in your character, in your ideas, in the way you approach things. Uh, there were all, you know, we could talk about your culture, your ethnic background, your geographical location. People are different all over the world. I mean, I've been blessed to travel all over the world, and this is what I found out. People are different. They're different in Ireland. They're different in the Philippines. They're different down in Nicaragua. They're different up in Tulsa. They're different over in Lamarck. <laughs> Amen? And they're really different from the West End. Amen? People are just different. You say, why? Because... Thing, your, your mom and dad, your education, uh, the neighborhood that you lived in, the friends that you had, uh, what you enjoyed, your hobbies and your, and your uh, talents. Uh, all of those things came together unseen to create who you stood there and who you were before you got born again. Then a brand new force came into your life. That force that was in your life was called iniquity, which produced sin. 
but the new force which is in your life now is called righteousness which produces obedience. So the problem with a lot of people is is because the sin and iniquity was so strong in their life they find it hard to get free from that in order to obey the righteous, righteousness that is on the inside of them. I found it difficult. I found it difficult until I began to get into the Word of God and discover I really did have a brand new life. Amen? Now, go to Romans. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 5. No, Romans chapter 6. If I got it in chapter 5, we'd be there all day. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Everybody say, faith Faith. for a new life. It says, what shall we say then, verse 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, now notice this, were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in... Say it. Say it. Newness of life. Now, as I came out of 13 years of being backslid, a backslidden condition, And I grew up, six years old, got saved in a children's church service. A a lady named Letha Groover was conducting the service, gave an altar call. I went up and I got born again. You say, how do you know? I know I got born again. Around an altar, an altar service at First Assembly of God in Pasadena, age seven. Uh, a, a, A man named Kenneth Dunn laid hands on me. And I began to speak in a language in which I never heard before, age seven. At age 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, I, I, I prayed in the Spirit. I went to ch- children's camp. I sat in meetings. I was healed several times. Had all kinds of supernatural things happen to me and witnessed all kinds of supernatural things. Now, I got away from God at about age 14 or 15. And being away from God, I began to yield to a baser nature. I never was not saved. I didn't, when, I got, when I came back to the Lord in 1984, I didn't get born again again. So I lived for about 12 to 13 years in a condition that a lot of Christians perpetually lived. I just lived it on such a low level, it was ridiculous. You say, what do you mean by that? I yielded to the thoughts of my mind and to the desires of my flesh. I quit yielding to my spirit. I quit yielding to that which is of God. I quit yielding to the Word of God and immediately your baser nature will step in and take over in any place of your life that you're willing to neglect. Any spiritual aspect of your life that you're willing to neglect, your baser nature. It will step in. I mean, to tell you, I had anger, I had prejudice, I had hate, I had addictions, I had all kinds of junk in my life. Then finally at the end I figured, how in the world did all this happen to me? And then after I got right with God, I thought, how in the world am I going to stay free from it? I had such an appetite for that. I had such a desire for that. I had such a knowledge of that. And I'm not just talking about one thing, I'm talking about several things. Well, thank God... A friend of mine who I had known for many years from a child up. He grew up in West Columbia. I grew up here. He had had some similar uh, incidents happen in his life. Uh, At age 17 or 18, he's away from God, got in all kinds of trouble. 
he began as a minister to study the subject of redemption. And he began to give me his tapes. And I began to listen to them over and over and over and over again until the voice of the minister became the voice of God in my heart. Now let me say that again. I began to listen to them over and over and over and over again till the voice of that minister became the voice of God in my life. It no longer was what brother so-and-so said. This became what God said through repetition. Repetition is your greatest teacher, positively or negatively. Good or bad, righteous or sin. Amen? Now, it began with a revelation to me of being a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Everybody say, all things are new. There's your newness again. That's what's new again. Now, I did not realize the significance of the cross and the death on the cross. But as I begin to study the subject of redemption, in its simplicity, I begin to realize that Jesus died for me. See, that's, that's the way I was. That's the way I was. People, Jesus died for me. Amen. No, no, you don't realize. Jesus died for me. Now, what if somebody could come and die for you in such a way that their death for you affected every area of your life. You needed to be affected by life. Therefore, his death was much more significant than anybody else's death around you. And what if somebody came and died for you that through their death was left a residue of power so that you entering into that death could be separated from anything in your life that bound you as you were a child of the human race. It broke it off of you, the bondage of it, and you could step over here and live in the new life of God. Now look at the scripture again. Look at it. And this is very, very interesting to me 34 years later because I've walked this out for 34 years. Now notice it again. It says, look at verse 2. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now, that is what Jesus was talking about, being born again. He's not talking about water here, and he's not talking about tongues here. Everybody with me? He is talking about the new birth. He says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized, were immersed into His death. Everybody say death. Now I would, I, what I knew way back then, I would have thought, why are you saying death? Why are you not saying resurrection? Amen? Wouldn't that pose the question? Now, 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 Paul, did you, are you sure you got that right? Are you sure you got that right now? Because all oh, the resurrection, that means everything. He rose from the dead. He defeated Satan. He defeated all kinds of adversaries and enemies. He, he, he defeated sickness and disease and poverty. Shouldn't, shouldn't, it be, shouldn't it be resurrection? Baptized into his resurrection. But it's not resurrection, it's death. 
Now, in order to understand that, you must understand the human experience. In the human experience, death does not mean the cessation of life. Well, let me say that again. In the human experience, you say, what is the human? A person getting born. We have some precious little babies that have been born into the church here in the last few weeks. Being born, they're starting their human experience. Some of you are 12 years down the road. Some of you are 24 years down the road. Some of you are 50 years down the road. But it is, that's what it is. It is the experience of life. In that experience of human life, there is being born and there is dying. Being born at the beginning, dying at the end. But that dying or death is not the cessation of life. Amen. You say, well, what is it? The word death in relevance to our kingdom experience means separation. Amen. There's a scripture over in Romans that says... Uh, 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 for the preaching of the cross, maybe be in first question. For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Now listen to me. The basic principles of beginning this walk, you, you, you get born again, and I'll trust you get filled with the Holy Ghost, because you need that power. You need that power to help the Word of God become alive to you, and you need that power in your life. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Everyone needs to be full of the Holy Ghost. But you must also renew your mind with the Word of God. You must submit yourself to what the Word of God says, and you must challenge all the negative areas of your life that, are, that, are, that were in your past life with the Word of God, and the subject you need to begin the challenge with is the subject of death. You may need to die to an addiction. You may need to die to a prejudice. You may need to die to a way of thinking. There may be all kinds. There was in my life, there was all kinds of ways of thinking that have, that have literally gone on in my life for years and years and years that I've had to die to, and I'm still dying to some today. You say, well, how does that process begin? Do I just go lay in the graveyard for a while? No, you can't do that. It begins the same way you got saved. Colossians 1.20, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And our problem was, is we taught on faith and confession, and we did it for material things before we did it for spiritual things. And when I say we did, I'm talking about the, the faith teachers and the body of Christ, and, and some of them did, some of them didn't, but a lot of people, they, they still stuck on, you know, faith for money, and, and faith for a new car, and faith for an airplane, faith for the... There's nothing wrong with that. Lee and I have used our faith for all that for years. But the primary extension of your faith does not need to be for a house or a car or a bunch of money. It needs to be for a literal change in your life that brings you into the newness that God has given you through your first birth. And it's going to have to begin with some death. You say, what do you mean with some death? The power of the cross. There is a power of the cross to enter in to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in which your application of that death to areas of your life can cause you to die to that. Amen? Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave Himself for me. Now, I lived in that scripture for months. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Man, I'm telling you, coming back to the Lord, starting Bible school, let's see, April, May, June, July, August, September, six months after coming back to the Lord, I'm in Bible school. Um, Pastor John Osteen has two doctorate degrees in divinity. I had other teachers that had degrees. I'm telling you, it was very difficult. Uh, Those months in between then, going to meetings, doing this, doing that, serving God, fasting, praying, thoughts coming into my mind, temptations coming into my mind. I needed some death. You say, what do you mean you needed some death? I needed some separation. There needed to be some distance in between me and my old life. That's the problem with some of the erroneous teaching on grace lately is grace says you can still embrace some of the old, but grace will keep you from suffering the effects of it. That's not true. There is still a wage in sin, and sin will still destroy you. Destroy your finances, your physical health, your marriage, and everything else. So the first scripture, the first scripture that I begin to apply, well, I say the first scripture, there are actually two. The two scriptures I begin to apply multiple times a day to my life were 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Galatians 2.20. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away and all things are new for me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I was crucified with Him. Nevertheless, I live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave Himself for me. You say, how long do you say that? Did you say that? I'm still saying it 34 years later. You say, why? Because it's still working in my life 34 years later. But it began the process of separating me from insecurities, from fears, from ways of thinking, from all kinds of foolishness in my life. And I'm telling you, if you do not begin the process You may be born again, but you're going to live so far below your rights and privileges. You're going to be tormented by things of the past, ideas of the past, hurts of the past, addictions of the past, and all kinds of encroachment into your new life will happen because you're not making application of that power to your new life. You say, what do you mean? You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight to get there. You're going to have to fight to stay there, and you're going to have to fight to live there. Because everything on this planet is geared to turn you in another direction. Death is on this planet. Destruction is on this planet. The world... I know the devil's defeated. I know demons are defeated. I know we have authority over them. But this world system is still rotten, corrupt, stinking, and I'm telling you, every contact we have with it, we better judge it for what it is. Because it will affect your finances, it will affect your health, it will affect every area of your life unless you're dead to it. How many remember the story of uh, Lot? Lot was a nephew of Abraham. And, and they needed to just get away from each other. They were not good for each other, so they got away from each other. And Lot went over and chose a real fertile area in the plains. And, and there were two cities there, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed because of the sin of that city. And that city, that city was enormously wicked. And the Bible says as they escaped, judgment came upon that, on that city because that's the dispensation they lived in. And as they escaped, the Bible says his wife turned back and looked. One translation says this, She desired that which is of the city, so she turned for a last look. 
And the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt right there. You say, now you really believe that happened. I, it's in the Bible. I believe it happened. And many times that's what happens to us. We get gloriously born again. We're delivered from the curse that is upon wherever we're living or whatever we're living in. Amen. The destruction, the judgment that's coming. We start off on a, on a walk with God. And then we turn back and we take a look. And when we turn back and take a look, you've got to understand, the enemy is so crafty and so, uh, dece- so de- he's just so deceptive that he has a way of making you think there may be something back there that could have really given me pleasure or really given me satisfaction that I might have missed. And I'm telling you, people run back to the drugs, they run back to the alcohol, they run back to the sexual promiscuity, they run back to the money, they run back to, you name it, if it's greed, they run back to all of that stuff where in reality God says, don't go back there, die. Now, of all the people that ever died on this planet, only one died supernaturally. You say, what do you mean by that? He has simulated all of everything that was wrong with us because of the first birth. So that means all the sin. All the iniquity, every disease, every addiction, and every problem that anybody could ever have, Jesus assimilated that upon the cross. Now, just, just seeing there, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, his vestige was so marred, you couldn't even tell it was a human being. I mean, listen, if all he overcame was death, then he's no, no different than anybody else. But he used death. You say, how did he use death? He used death after assimilating all of the... He was wounded for our transgression. That means every sin anybody ever committed. Bruised for our iniquity. The motivation to sin that's on the inside. The chastisement of our peace. Anything that has to do with the mind or the soul. And by His stripes we're healed. Any sickness or disease. Any sickness or disease. Are you with me? Now He's got this on Him. You talk about suffering. He didn't have AIDS. He didn't have cancer. He didn't have leukemia. He didn't rob banks. He didn't, listen, He didn't commit murder. He took it on Him. He took it on him. And on the cross, what did he do? When he came to the end of his suffering, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you answer that question? Can you answer that question? I'm going to help you. The reason God could forsake him was you. It was your sin, your iniquity, your sickness, your disease, your depravity, you name it. It was you. But when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What did he do? What did he do? He died. He died. He did not cease to exist. He died. You say, what do you mean he died? He died providing a death for the whosoever's that would call upon the name of the Lord and be born again, He provided a place for them to what? To die to their first birth, to die to whatever it is. That's why I say in the kingdom of God, there's no black, there's no white, there's no Asian, there's no Hispanic, there's only blood-washed people. In God's family. Listen, I had to die to be in white. I had to die to be in, in my 30s. I had to die to addictions. I had to die to mindsets. I had to die to prejudice. I had to die to anger. I had to die to fear. I had to die to all of that. But I couldn't just stand there and hope it would happen. I had to make application of the power of that death to every area of my life that was trying to draw me back into who I used to be. 
No, devil, I'm not going there. You see, I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Now see, okay, I'll finish it up. We'll pick this up next. Is this helping anybody? Therefore, everybody say therefore. After applying the power of that death to my life, I step into, you say, why? Because he went down and took my judgment three days and three nights. But then, I said, but then, I said, but then, he rose from the dead, his resurrection power, the greatest release of power ever released on planet earth, and because I walked in through the door of death, I walk out through the power of the resurrection, a new creature, an overcomer, the healed of God, the prosperous of God, the blessed of God in every area of my life. Ah, that's too hard. No, it's not too hard. It's easy. It's simple. It's understanding. Once you're born again, you are a new creature. You're not, your name may still be Bob Jones, but not in heaven. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God. You're more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the earth. And people say, well, that's just, that's, just, that's just a matter of semantics. That's just words. No, it's not just words. Words carry power. And power is released through words. You need to learn to speak it. You need to learn to think it. And as you learn to speak it and think it, then your other thinking and your other speaking has to line up with it. Now, real quick, real quick, go to Ephesians. Let me, let me close this. Go to Ephesians. Look there in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 22 of Ephesians. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is a corrupt, everybody say corrupt, according to deceitful lust. Lust or deceitful. Lust will lure you into doing something that later you wish you wouldn't have done. Amen? Put off, everybody say put off. Then if it says in verse uh, 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now everybody say, put off and put on. Now this is where this process begins. You can't put on till you've put off. Amen. When I get home, I usually let the dogs out, let the birds out. And I go up and change clothes. I've already got them laid out. I've got a pair of, pair of swim trunks and a t-shirt and a pair of flip-flops. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm not going to put those swim trunks on over these nice slacks. And I'm not going to put this, that t-shirt on over this coat. You say, why? Because I'd look stupid. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in my room and I've got my hangers and all that already laying there on my bed. I'm going to take off my coat, undo and take off my tie take off my shirt, my undershirt, I'm going to take off these clothes, and I'm going to put on another set of clothes. It is a process that only takes a few minutes. But it begins not with a putting on, but a taking off. And for a lot of years and for a lot of people, they've tried to put on something before they've ever tried to take anything off. Amen? So they're trying to put on all kinds of stuff, and it just makes them look stupid. 
I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen it over the years. So you've got to begin the takeoff process. Everybody say takeoff. Now, that begins, first of all, you're doing the right thing by being in church, by having the Word of God taught to you. But then you're going to leave here in a few minutes. You're going to go this afternoon. You're going to have to yourself. Next week we'll have two services. You need to come to those services. That's why services are so important because services show you and teach you how to take off and put on. One service, this half may be taking something off. This, this half may be putting something on. The next week it may be opposite. This half be putting something on. This half be taking something off. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to begin, first of all, by embracing the Word of God relevant to you. Remember this. The letters to the church, this is an exercise every Christian needs to practice. Go through the letters in the church and write down everything that talks about you. In Christ, in Him, in whom. Those phrases you will find about 223, something like that, scriptures in there. And they're talking directly about you. It is God talking to you as His child. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God. You're crucified with Him. You're risen with Him. You're seated in a heavenly place. You have newness of life. And that's all through there. You write them down. You embrace them and you meditate. That means you begin to change your mind's thinking. I'm telling you, that, 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 that was the third time I heard Pastor Eddie turn. I'm going to get him to come here. How many want to have Ed, Pastor Eddie come? I'm going to get him to come here and teach on that. That was the third time I heard that. And every time I'm more impressed with an Assembly of God pastor just driving down the road, just driving down the road. And a thought popped in his mind. You're demon-possessed. And a year later, he's a basket case laying on the floor. And but for Jesus appearing to him, he would have probably ended up in a mental institute or dead. You say, well, that's how powerful thinking can be. And every day, your adversary, the devil, is trying to throw something into your mind to try to get you to refute the reality of your new birth. I mean, I've seen it for years. I see, I mean, he'll come in, he'll tell people crazy things like, 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 like you've committed the unpardonable sin. You're not going to heaven. God doesn't love you. That's one of the mo most insidious ones. We did a whole uh, 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 fall harvest crusade on, on uh, God is a good God because so many people don't think God is a good God. They don't think God is a good God. Well, I think he's a great God. He's a good, 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 good. How many times? Five billion, jillion, gazillion. Good, 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 great, awesome, great, good, good, good God. People out there think, I don't want to go that I don't care. Boy, if God wants, if he finds me, he's going to squish me like a bug. That ain't God. Where do they get that? Thinking. You can't live your life with your mind out there flapping in the wind, picking up any old thing that flies by it. I love what Pastor Paul Chase said. He'll be here on the 19th of September. He said, you know, the, 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 the phrase, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, uh, but, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. He said, oh no, you can keep them from flying over your head. You just grab a shotgun and start shooting at them and they'll quit coming over your head. Does away with that. Like I had one, I, the Lord showed me something one time and I was meditating and said, he said, now don't say that anymore. He said, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the Lord said, no, yes, you can. You put salt in his food. <laughs> See, God's got an answer for everything. But you've got to begin by making a decision. I'm not thinking like, I'm not thinking like I, who I used to be. I'm not thinking black. I'm not thinking white. I'm not thinking Hispanic. I'm not thinking Asian. I'm not thinking poor. I'm not thinking broke. I'm not thinking sick. I'm not, I'm not, thinking, I'm not thinking any of that. I'm not thinking depressed. I'm not thinking insecure. I'm not thinking fear. And you've got to go to work. 
And you've got to every day challenge that in your mind because the enemy constantly probes you looking for that one thought. That one thought. You're not going to make it. You have cancer. You'll die like your, like your grandmother did. You're demon-possessed. Yeah, you may, you may have broke that alcoholism, but it's going to come right back on. I mean, he'll do that. He's insidious. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. But you've got to realize God has given you such a weapon, such a tool in the Word of God. And it must be embraced. It must be meditated upon. You have to get that working in your mind. Working in your mind. My mind today, I wish I could just kind of take it and stick it up on a screen. Because it amazes me the way I think. You say, why? Because I know how I used to think. And so when I wake up in the morning and a praise service is going on in my head, and when I'm driving down the road and this half of my brain is preaching the message to this half of my brain, and every time some type of thought comes into my mind, there's a, an immediate response, an immediate reaction. You say, what do you mean? All kinds of bells go off. All kinds of whiz. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? That's not God. You lying devil. In the name of Jesus, I don't think like that. And I do it every day. And I continue to do it. And I continue to work on my mind. Because the problem is we're still stuck with a mind that is in enmity with God even though it's renewed. All renewing your mind does is empower your spirit to override every thought that would try to come into your mind. Everything that would go in and try to bring itself, bring you captive. God says use the word to bring it captive. I've always seen our minds kind of like a... Uh, when I was a kid, and I'll, this will be my last thought. When I was a kid, yeah. Y'all gave me a nice watch on my 30th anniversary. I never look at it, do I? When I was a kid, I worked for two summers for a man named Paris E. Walker. Paris Walker was a, was a man's man, a colonel in the army, was on the Bataan Death March. I mean, had, you know, all this. And, and, and he had horses. He had... 30 broodmares that he'd only go out and get once a year to take their colts away. Now, you let, a, you let a horse have a colt and live with it for about eight months, and you take it away, it is a mess. And so he had this huge round pen, bigger, about, about the size of this auditorium, this huge round pen, and he'd run all these horses. And those horses were mad. They were kicking, snorting, biting. I mean, that was a mess. That's why I don't like horses. So let's go ride horses. I said, I'll wait for you to get back. <laughs> And one day, thinking back on Mr. Walker's ranch, I thought about those horses. And I thought, a lot of people, that's what their mind looks like, is that round pen with 30 wild horses and 30, 30 colts in there running crazy. Just running around everywhere, running around everywhere. And Mr. Walker, he was just, I don't know if he was crazy or smart, I don't know what he was. He was tough as a boot. He only, had, he only had like two fingers like that. He'd had those two shot off. And he'd have a rope in one hand. They had a big pole in the middle. A big old pole in the middle. And he'd go and he'd just walk. And he'd look. And he'd look. And he'd walk. And he'd start swinging that rope. And when he starts swinging that rope, the horses would get even more nervous. And they'd start running. And they'd all get in a... In, in a they wouldn't be running all... They'd all be running the same direction. And he'd look for one and he'd go... And he'd throw it around him, and then he'd take that rope, and he'd go around that pole in the middle, and he'd wrap it around, and he'd pull back on it, pull back on it, and then Billy or me or one of his other sons would run in and put a halter on that horse. That was fun. <laughs> I was usually hiding by that time. But that, the picture of that in my mind, years later, I saw that. 
and I saw all those horses with her, and they're just going, going, going crazy until somebody stepped in there and started to bring order. And he took a rope and he brought one captive and once you got a halt on, oh man, you'd drag it out of there. It'd be jumping and hopping and all that kind of stuff, but you'd get it out and you'd get it outside there and get right around. There was a squeeze chute where the vet could take care of them, give them a shot, cut their mane, cut their tail, turn them back loose, check their hooves, make sure they were okay. And did it horse after horse after horse after horse. Sometimes it took a week. Sometimes it took a week. But your thoughts are the same way. They get inside of your mind. But God has put a post called the new birth right there in the middle. And you're going to have to walk in there with the rope of the Word of God and you're going to have to start bringing some order to your mind. And you're going to have to make a decision. I am born again. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I am a child of Almighty God and I'm not going to live below my rights and privileges as just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I want all His benefits. I want all of His attributes. I want everything that He has for me flowing in my life, growing in my life. Not only that I can have benefit of it, but I can take it and share it to a lost world. Now listen, here's the good news. Thousands and millions of people have already done it before we have. And it's worked. It worked for the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and John and all those that wrote the New Covenant. It worked for centuries. Now, now, now in reality... It destroyed Rome. Rome was such an iniquitous, sinful nation that once Christianity began to go the direction it was supposed to go, it literally destroyed them. Because you can't mix sin and righteousness, and righteousness prevailed over it. Then we went into what was called the Dark Ages. And, and they took Christianity and locked it up. That's what the devil wants to do, is to take the real message of the cross, of the resurrection, of the new creature, and lock it up. But then about 1600s, 1400s, right in there, people, light began to come. Light began to come. You know, you think it's just by chance that all this technology and all the things that we enjoy and live in, the cars, the planes, the air conditioning, the sound, you think we just, well, people just lucked out. And, and, no, it's because the light of God, the righteousness of God, and the ability of God begin to get into people's lives. If you go to dark countries, you never see anybody that ever invented anything. You don't ever see anybody that ever did anything. All you see is darkness. But you come into a place where there's light and you see inventions happening. You see progress you see medicine, you see technology, all of it is a result of the light of God. And God wants you living in that light. Now let me say this. I feel like there's just a residue of that anointing here in this service today. There are some of you here today that you've had, now I'm not talking about your entire, I'm talking about a particular thought that has almost ruled your life. It's not everybody. It happens to people. Maybe you were like Pastor Eddie Turner and, and, and just, just serving God and, and God is you know, blessing your life and all of a sudden the enemy has put a thought in your life. Because I know by my spirit there are people in here that you have struggled with a singular thought. It may be of unrighteousness. It may be of some event that happened in your life. It may be of some some situation or problem, but you've struggled with that thing in your mind and you've had this thought, if I could just get some help where I could not think that way anymore, I'd, I'd get some relief. I'd be better. I'd get better. But every time you seem to make any progress in the kingdom of God, that thought will rise up. 
And here's the process. It oppresses you. It oppresses your mind. I mean, you don't choose to think it. It just gets thrust in there. and There it is. And you're like, what am I going to do with that? And if you're not careful, you'll be obsessed with it. That means you'll continually think about it on a continual basis until it takes control of you. But thank God you came today. It's not, listen, you say, well, I don't want any people to think I'm less spiritual. That's stupid. That's, that's, that's the wrong thought. The thought you need to think is this. Thank God somebody got up and preached and exposed it so that I can get free of it. If it was me, I'd be the first person to come up here. Because there are times you need a little more than just you speaking the Word. You need an anointing to break that in your mind. And what the anointing will do is this. Now, let me, let me be clear. The anointing will give you a frame of time to do something. That thing gets, get, gets taken care of today, and the anointing of God releases you from that, and the next day you walk away and you think, wow, I feel so free. Yeah, that'll go on for about two or three, four days. That means tomorrow you've got to start digging into that Word. And you've you got to start getting those Scriptures. You've got to start Galatians. I've given you 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Galatians 2, 20. We've got all kinds of Scriptures and confessions around here. You can pick up. They're all over the place. You have no excuse not to do it. And you can begin to build. See, for, for, for Pastor Eddie, when he had this encounter with Jesus, he said, sitting over on the corner were, were, were Kenneth Hagin books. But he was taught through his denomination, don't follow those Hagin people. They're not right. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Because he had to go to those books and get into those books and study how to get your mind right and how to have authority. Authority of the believer, right and wrong thinking. Those were the books. Authority of the believer, right and wrong thinking, all that kind of stuff. He said, once I got the information of that, I was able to overcome that thought. And God has blessed his life tremendously since then. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and thank the Lord. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what we're going to do next week, we're going we're to get in this a little deeper. We're going we're to talk about faith to change your thinking. Faith to change your thinking. Because now we've just, we've just kind of walked into the door. But everything we're doing here, the scriptures that, that, that Marlene has given us, the chapters that we read every week, the, I've noticed, man, they're, I mean, they, they're, 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 it's not just reading a chapter. They speak to you. Because the Lord told me to do that. The Lord told me who to have do that. And, and the anointing of God came on her to do it. So that's something that God is saying to us, saying to us, saying to us, saying to us. Amen. Read your Bible. Come to church. Come to Wednesday night. Come to Fight your fight. Don't roll over let the enemy just use apathy. Because many times that's what it is. It's just thoughts of apathy and complaint. I'm too tired. I'm too this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You can be in the house of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourself to you. Get the Word of God taught to you. And in special moments like this, when the anointing comes and breaks that way of thinking, you get to be a part of it and partake of that which God is doing. Amen. You love the Lord. Stand on your feet. Let's rejoice over such a good service this morning. Amen. Come on, lift your hands and let's thank Him. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you. 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 Now, you know, there's been some, some ministers over the years that have really, I would say, excelled and become what I would call technicians in this area. One of them, if I could suggest reading after their material or getting their material, would be Andrew Womack. 
He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, uh, there's some things, uh, uh, he's not real big on local church things that I wouldn't agree with him on, but I'm telling you, his stuff on renewing the mind and taking authority over thoughts is powerful. Powerful th stuff. It's something that we must do, have to do, every day as we enter into that which God has for us. Amen. Praise God. Father, we bless your name today. Now, Lord, as the service ends and as we go out into our separate lives, we thank you that because of our tradition of closing with a prayer of protection and safety, that we as your children can think thoughts of protection and safety. We declare over our lives the way we travel, Lord. Some of us travel in cars, and pick up trucks, motorcycles. Some of us travel out in the ocean to make our living. Some of us drive trains on the railways. But for every way of travel and transportation, highways, railways, seaways, airways, some will be flying this week. We declare that we are protected of God. That no evil befalls us. No plague comes near our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your people walk upon serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. Now, Lord, you've given us all a resource to handle. Some men and women have businesses. Some work in the, in the, in the retail outlets. There are those involved in education. There are all types of resources we handle. And out in the public and in the world system, we declare over our church... No plans of the devil. No evil schemes of wicked men. No problems of any kind. No, no, listen, no accidents. No trauma. In Jesus' name, we declare we as your people abide under the shadow of the Most High. And Lord, we also ask you in our thoughts to remind us. We open up our hearts to empower our minds to recognize and realize Windows of opportunity, which you call doors of utterance. That each and every one of us this week can be an answer to somebody's prayer. A problem to an evil adversary. A miracle in somebody's life and a blessing to all people. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. We thank you for our church and what you're doing. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.